Good morning, everyone. Like uh, Vance said, my name is Buzz, and I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses Church, and I'm so excited to be here together. Uh, So whether you're in the room or whether you're joining us online, uh, it's a good day, because like Vance said, we're circling around the scriptures to see uh, what we can learn about a message of unity, about a message of being on the same page as the Lord, and therefore on the same page as one another. I've loved this series, Centuries of Strife, because uh, we're learning how to step into healthy conflict and grow to be more like Jesus Christ as a result. I don't love conflict. I don't know if you love conflict, but it's an important part of growing healthy. And we're going to look at one key problem today that faced the early church. And their problem was they didn't understand how to forge a diverse people from different backgrounds into one unified faith family. How did God forge those people with different backgrounds into one faith family? This isn't a problem just faced by the early church. We face it here today, don't we? So I'd love to open up the scriptures, turn to Acts chapter 10, and learn from the life of Peter, learn from the life of Cornelius, how we can better reflect the unity that's available in Jesus Christ. You know, here in the, in the COVID shutdown season, we've learned the value of unity in a different way because we're all so separated. We're all so far apart. You know, we have all these new technological tools that help bring us together, like Zoom. Do you guys love Zoom as much as I love Zoom? Oh, man, it's the best. Have you heard about Zoom? You open up your computer. You can see people from all around the world, all around the country, right there on your computer screen. And in fact, today, I have my 20th high school reunion Zoom call. I can hear you guys doing the mathematics in your head. I didn't bring my abacus. You can figure out how old I am. Um, And it's a good thing we have Zoom because Zoom can hold enough people for my graduating class. We were the largest ever graduating class at my high school, uh, which was 14 people. And so I'm hopeful that we can fit all on that Zoom call. But can I tell you that after 20 years finding 14 different schedules, different time zones, different ways of life to have a a one-hour catch-up conversation was almost impossible there was a, just such fragmentation uh, after 20 years, such division, such scattering in a way. But I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get on a call and come back together. I'm thankful for my, uh, he was my college roommate, my high school friend, Shibu, for putting this together, putting a time, because you really need somebody to come out there with a unified plan, a coherent vision, and have everybody come around it. You know, it's no good to have 14 different plans, 14 different Zoom calls. We need one We need to bring that unity, and we needed to follow a leader who helped us to do that. So Shabu had a vision for the Zoom call. He sent out some invitations, opened up the invitation, and uh, it's a glitter bomb. Have you guys heard about these things where they explode and there's glitter everywhere? Very unsafe. Do not (laughs) recommend. Uh, So I thought, do I want to be on this guy's page? Does he have a good plan for unity? I thought I could at least risk a Zoom call, you know, And of course, I'm teasing a little bit about fragmentation and coming together, but I think it's a good illustration about what unity is, because I think unity is when we are part of one team with one clear vision, part of one group, one family, one body with one clear vision. That's what unity is. And so let's step into the text here, Acts chapter 10, and see how God went about revealing that clear vision to the early church. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to try to go through the whole chapter today, but I'll pause as we go. And so verse 1 says this. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to all the people, and prayed continually to God. At about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? 
And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one, Simon, who is also called Peter. All right, we're going to pause there because I think there's a key here in this passage about how clarity was able to come to Cornelius. And that's in verses 2 and 3. We see that clarity comes to Cornelius through his time of prayer. Clarity comes to Cornelius through his time of prayer. You know, it doesn't seem like Cornelius was seeking a vision that he received. It doesn't seem like he was seeking a visitation from an angel. It just seems like he was surprised and scared by this visitation during his time of prayer. I know I would be surprised if I was there and all of a sudden an angel appeared with a message for me. I would be shocked and amazed. But I wonder if we should be so surprised when good things happen in prayer. I wonder if we're a little bit numb to the idea that prayer works, that prayer is powerful, that prayer is valuable, that prayer is the greater work. As James 5 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so why should we be shocked when we pray and something amazing, something exciting happens? The very thing you're praying for happens. Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised. You know, I learn a lot of things from my kids, a lot of spiritual truths from my kids, and uh, they're going to be so pumped that I talk about them at church. But one thing my kids love is time playing video games. I don't know if your kids love video games, but mine do. We have a very clear set of guidelines, you know, only on Saturdays, not on school days, and so on and so forth. And the kids know the rules. They could recite them to you right here, right now. But I found something that the kids will constantly ask me for video game time, even when they already know they're not allowed. They are urgent, they are consistent, and they are persistent. Man. And then, lo and behold, sometimes dear old dad, that's me, gets a moment of weakness and gives them extra video game time. And they're never surprised when something good happens to them. They know I'm weak, I guess, I don't know. But I've learned about that urgency, that consistency, that persistence to drive at something that is important to them. Man, and it works. It works. I wonder if we are so persistent, so consistent, so fervent in our prayers. Would we see God work a little bit more? You know, Pastor Larry has a saying that he likes to share. that says, like, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Hmm. So when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And so I think if we want to forge unity, if we want to be on the same page as Jesus Christ, if we want to be about the business of what Jesus calls us to do, we have to be people of prayer. We have to be people of prayer. Man, Jesus is the one whose unity we seek. Jesus is the one whose plan we want to follow. Jesus is the one who has called us into his mission. And how can we do that apart from prayer? And we shouldn't be surprised when God begins to work out his plan in prayer. And I just think it's true that God is more faithful to us than we are to him. You know, prayer is a vehicle by which we ask God for things. Sure, by which we intercede for things, yes, and sometimes God answers that prayer, but I think it's also the space in which we are formed by God into his character and into his likeness. And spending time with the Lord, simply put, makes us more like him. And maybe even in some surprising ways. You know, here in verse 9, look at what Peter is doing when the Lord interrupts him. The next day, it says, as they were on their journey and approaching their city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. 
we see both Cornelius in prayer and Peter in prayer. This is what causes unity. We get on the same page as Jesus Christ, and that puts us on the same page as one another. I learned this in 10th grade geometry with Mr. Hinterling and 13 of my closest friends, the transitive property. You guys learned this? If A equals C and B equals C, therefore A and B are the same as each other. And so if we form ourselves into the character of Christ and you form yourself into the character of Christ, we will be unified because we are about the work of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter and Cornelius weren't in, I don't think, some time of special crisis prayer you know, a big one-time prayer movement or a big moment, a big event. Rather, I think they were in their daily rhythm, the simple task of the habit that they did every single day, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. They were constantly in a rhythm of prayer. So I wonder, are we in daily prayer enough that the Lord could meet us in our prayer time if he wanted to? Or is he just waiting for us, trying to interrupt us so that we can allow him to speak? You know, my kids know that being interrupted is one of my pet peeves, right? It's especially in the work at home season. If you're distracted, it's just so hard to jump back into work. And so I want everybody to let me finish what I'm doing and then I can attend to them and I can focus on them. This is my preference, right? Of course, it doesn't always work out, but I want to make sure my kids also know that I'm not just so busy at work that I have time for them. And when it's time for them, I'm all in with them, right? So they know if they wait for me to finish my email, I'll be with them right face to face and they can ask me what they need. Video games, probably, maybe a snack, I don't know, but they know that I will turn and attend to them. And I wonder if I never had that space, that face-to-face conversation with them, they would interrupt me a lot more. And I wonder if we do the same thing to God. Are we too busy with our tasks and with our hurry of life that God is just waiting to speak with us? But he knows we don't really want to be interrupted, so he just lets us do what we want to do. He carries on with our busyness, and he's waiting to share with us, but we never give him space, and we never give him time? Are we too busy with our lives to be interrupted in our time of prayer? Are we waiting for God to speak, but he's waiting for us to slow down and listen? I suppose that God could interrupt us, and he's done it before, but I do think he's just waiting for us to attend to him, to draw near to him. Are we doing that? I think that's what would cause unity. That's what would cause transformation. That's what would cause us to be a people forged from different backgrounds into like-mindedness if we were people of prayer who seeks what God has for us. You know, in this passage in Acts chapter 10, God is trying to get a clear message through to Peter. And he gives Peter a vision of what looks like a tent, it says in the scriptures, of of different kinds of animals coming down. Uh, Those which were clean for Peter to eat according to the religious rules of his time and those which were unclean. And God says, take and eat them all. And Peter is a little hesitant to do that. He says, no, I follow the rules. I'm separating myself for holiness. But God cuts through and he says to Peter that what I, the Lord, have called clean, let nobody call unclean. I know these these diet laws were a way that Peter and his group kept themselves separate from others. You know, it's kind of like how I will order spicy barbecue when we go out to a restaurant because I'm the only one in my family that likes that. I can keep my food separate from their food, right? We build these barriers up. But God says what he has called clean, let nobody call unclean. 
All right, that's another key for us this morning, I think, that unity is based on what God says. Unity is based on what God says. Not what we think, not what we want, but what God says. And this is one thing I think that's so comforting to me about prayer. And that even if I pray for the wrong things, or even if I have a selfish heart, or even if my motives are wrong, God is sovereign and He will do His work regardless of what I ask. He's in charge and He's on the throne. And I think sometimes we do change God's mind, and there certainly is power in prayer, but more often, God changes our mind, and we, rather than He, walk away fully changed. I love how the book of Proverbs puts it in uh, chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This fear, this knowledge is speaking about a face-to-face type relationship with God. That's how you get wisdom, and that's how you get understanding. So it's not up to us to work harder to provide unity for the church. I think it's up to us to chase Jesus and to reach that finish line that he's drawn out for us. Let's look here what it says that God says about Cornelius here in verses 19 and 20. It says, while Peter was pondering his vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, so rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. You know, why would God have to make clear that these people were sent by him, that Peter and his friends were sent by God to speak with Cornelius? I think it's because they were just on such fundamentally different starting points. In fact, Cornelius was an enemy in many ways. It tells us in verse 1 that he was part of the occupying army. He was from a different nation, the Italian cohort. He was from a different culture, a different language, a different religious upbringing. And Peter needed to know that he had to open himself up to accept these outsiders. But I think it's also just as true that the Corneliuses of the world sometimes need a word from the Lord that they need to humble themselves and learn from those that they think they're above or that they think they shouldn't associate with. I don't want us to miss this in the text either because it's easy for us to think that we are the good ones from whom someone unlike us would be so lucky to receive forgiveness or relationship or reconciliation, that we are being like Christ if we deign to show hospitality and acceptance. And, And that's true, but I think sometimes we falsely think that we're in the right more often than we are. We think that we're the one who needs to be offering forgiveness. We're the one who needs to give something away. But we miss an opportunity to humble ourselves, to receive grace, to receive care, to receive love, and to receive forgiveness from others. And I think if we're going to be a people who are forged into unity by our belief in Jesus Christ, we're going to have to be ones who can ask for grace, who can ask for forgiveness, and who can receive that when it's needed. So I don't know if you are one who feels like you need to humble yourself or if you're one who feels like you need to offer grace and forgiveness. My encouragement for you is to take the first step. Don't wait for somebody else to build unity. Don't wait for somebody else to build forgiveness. Take the first step. Even if it's not your fault, can you build a bridge? Can you? I'm so glad that Jesus built a bridge towards us when it was all our fault. How can we do anything other than what our Lord taught us? You know, here in the passage, Peter probably thinks that this unity uh, is up to him because Cornelius, the outsider, in Peter's mind, was probably something like 99% wrong. But that's not what the book of Acts shows us to be truly the case. I think it's a mistake that Peter has in his mind. 
It shows us that Cornelius is a, is a person of prayer. He's a person of generosity. He's a person who pursues God. So his background, his religion, his job, his social status are immaterial to his pursuit of Jesus Christ. And it's actually Peter, Acts shows us, who ends up being the one who flip-flops around between things like love and exclusion, flip-flops from hospitality to harshness, who flip-flops between forgiveness and hard-heartedness. Peter ends up learning that he's much more than 1% wrong himself. I just think sometimes we're wrong about whose job it is to build that bridge. It's always our job. It's never somebody else's job. If we're going to forge ourselves into unity, we have to take responsibility to do that. It was not lost on me that today is the day after our presidential election in the United States. I don't know if you guys are aware that there is an election. Uh, but this message isn't intended to be, you know, super election-y. Maybe some of you guys are wishing I was more so. Maybe some of you guys are wishing I was less so. But when we mapped out this series of teachings, we didn't even do this on purpose to make this election Sunday because it's simply true that the scripture is unchanging and that the message of unity is true on election week. It'll be true next year. It's been true for thousands of years. How we walk it out in our circumstances might be different. We want to use wisdom. We want to walk in God's timing. But this is a timeless truth, not just for the American political situation. It's just true that the church of Jesus Christ has to bring grace, unity, healing, and forgiveness to our world. That's our job. Election aside, that's what we're in for. If we want to forge ourselves into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we can do it. Because unity in Jesus overcomes all obstacles. Unity in Christ overcomes everything. If we want to be a people who reflect that same hard-won unity that the early church earned, I think we have to be a people of prayer. We have to be a people of forgiveness, and we have to be a people of humility. And all of these are accessed through the good news of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just that Peter and Cornelius start on different pages, overcome obstacles to let them become friends, let them have fellowship at meals, and be two guys who can now agree to disagree about some important things. Man, let's not settle for that counterfeit. Peter and Cornelius are two people who had been so radically changed by their encounter with the risen Christ that they were no longer the same as they once were. That's unity which overcomes obstacles. And it's Peter's preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that provides that unity. I love how Peter describes Jesus here in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and following. I love this passage. I think it's one of the best clear snapshots of the gospel message in all of the scriptures. So if you're new with us at Three Crosses and you don't know what the gospel is all about, I'm about to read it right from the scripture. Or if you've been a Christian all of your life, man, I can't wait to hear the gospel with you. Can we have some fresh ears and receive what God is saying to us today about the good news of Jesus Christ? And it really is good news. Let's start in verse 34. It says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We were witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging on a tree, but... 
God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as his witnesses, who ate with him and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Jesus is Lord of all, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And God shows no partiality. If you believe in Jesus, you receive that forgiveness. That's it. That's the gospel message, and that's how we find unity, because unity comes when the gospel unites us. Unity comes when the good news of Jesus Christ binds us together. So what do we do then? Do we work hard and figure out how we can have a better plan and learn about unity and educate ourselves and all of that's true, but I think it's not all. It's not incomplete. You know, in the early church, despite the prayerfulness and holiness of people like Peter and Cornelius and others that we see all around Acts, a change in their mindset and a change in their human effort simply wasn't enough. You know, in fact, next week, Pastor Danny's going to teach us a little bit more about how the Jewish church and the Gentile believers worked out how they could live in unity in Christ because it was an ongoing thing, not a one-time thing. But here in Acts 10, we see that unity at the beginning was, simply put, a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Let's see how Luke, the author of Acts, describes that here in verses 44 and 45. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And this is the key, that unity is that miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Not in our own strength, but by his goodness. Those who are marked out by the Spirit are our brothers and sisters, and it is God's work to bind us together. This is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians six nineteen that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where God has seen fit to put his presence here in this earth. And if we're going to be united with God, we are going to have to be united with one another. Not in our own strength, but through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the miraculous, unifying, sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. So say that today you've felt God working in your heart. What should we do about it? Or say that you'd like to experience that miracle of transforming unity or that forgiveness of sins available to you by grace in Jesus Christ. What should we do to bring this good news to our life, our family, our workplace, our nation? How can we get that unity that the early church was building in Acts chapter 10? Let me suggest to you two things this morning. All right, the first thing I want to suggest to you if you want to build that work of unity in your life is to pray for the work of unity. Pray for the work of unity. And we've seen that God revealed himself both to Peter and to Cornelius in Acts 10 when they were going about their work of faithful, consistent, daily prayer. Not one time, not at the big event, not because it was prayer gathering time, but the daily rhythm of prayer. Can you find a way this week to be present with the Lord, to show up, to listen to him so that he doesn't have to interrupt you in your busyness? There's a couple practical ways that you can do that. Number one is you could just sit in silence. Put down your phone, put down your distractions, and just sit there inviting the Lord in. Maybe pray a simple prayer like, Lord, reveal yourself to me. 
Or maybe you could find a written prayer to hang on to. Sometimes if we pray, we don't know the words to find, but we can hang on to the scriptures. Something like the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us, or something like the Psalms. Praying these back to the Lord will help us find the words when we don't have the words to say. Or number three, maybe you can find somebody to pray with. You know, in your app, in your phone right now, you can connect to our prayer team. You can email pray at threecrosses.org. You can join with one of our small groups, which are meeting either online or in person. Or you can even respond to the Lord in prayer here today with your church family. Prayer isn't something that has to be alone. We're talking about unity and coming together. We can come together in prayer. So whether you sit in silence or find a written prayer or pray with someone, can we find a way to add prayer to our daily rhythms this week so that we can hear from the Lord? All right. Number two, I would say if you want to build the work of unity in your life, point people to the gospel and to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the message that bound Peter and Cornelius together, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and that all who receive him have forgiveness of sins. What an amazing message. This is for all people in all times and all places throughout human history. I wonder if there's a way to let people know that Jesus is your Lord this week. What do people know most about you? What are you known for? Are you known for your love of a sports team or for your social media profile? Are you known for your financial acumen or lack thereof? Are you known for your fashion or lack thereof? Are you known for your politics? Are you known for your family? Or do people know you as a transformed, devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? Can you use that transformation to share this gospel and this kingdom with others? Can you be a witness to the goodness of Jesus Christ and in so doing bring some unity forged in the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to those around you? You know, this morning we've been talking about how God forged the early church into a unified people. And he did it by the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, by the transforming work of the gospel, and by a people devoted to him in prayer. So I think if we want to be that same transformed people, we can. Let's draw a little bit closer to the miraculous work of unity that Jesus wants to grow us in. And this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to to come back up. But I'd also like to spend a little bit of time in prayer with you this morning as we ask God for unity, as we ask God for healing, and as we ask God to work his gospel deeply in our hearts and in those around us. I'm going to start with just a moment of silence to help us practice what I'm suggesting that we do each day, sitting in his presence and listening for him. So let's pray together, first in silence, and then I'll pray verbally.